turn with me, please, to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13. The phrase in that song that the ensemble just sang talked about the church, not just our church, but the church, God's people dreaming kingdom dreams. What is a kingdom-centered dream? What kingdom? Whose kingdom? What's the kingdom of the king, King Jesus? Jesus is king. And the kingdom that is being envisioned in that song and taught in the Bible, God's kingdom, his kingdom rule, not necessarily over geography. We know that Jesus is king over this entire world, this entire universe. Everything belongs to him. But what, what is really the kingdom of God? Where does Jesus really rule and reign? Jesus desires not more ground, not more dirt per se, not more of this planet. That's a, he already has that. But what is it that he really desires, ladies and gentlemen? What is, the, what is the desire of God? What is the passion of Jesus? It's not for more physical territory. It's for more spiritual territory. That's manifested in the hearts of souls that he created. Lives of men and women that he died for. Shed his blood for. That's the kingdom of God. Church family, don't ever forget that Jesus did not come the first time to set up a political system or to occupy David's throne. No, Jesus came the first time to give his life as a sacrifice so that he could occupy kingship in the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls. And we hear about this concept of the Great Commission. The Great Commission. The Great Commission. If you've been in our church or any Bible preaching, gospel preaching, Jesus exalting church, any at all, you've heard talk about the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? Now don't answer out loud. Could you articulate it? So I have a question today. Do you prioritize the priority of Jesus? I'm not going to ask you if you have priorities. We all have priorities. I'm not going to ask you what your priorities are. Everybody has various priorities and they differ from one person to the next. I will ask you this, ladies and gentlemen, as the Holy Spirit searches my own heart and my own conscience, do we prioritize the priority of Jesus? I'm not speaking simply as a church, but as an individual Christian in your daily life. Do you prioritize Jesus' priority. What is, the, what is the priority of Jesus? Well, the priority of Jesus is the Great Commission. What's the Great Commission? The Great Commission is the mission of Jesus for every Christian to take the gospel to all 8 billion people on the planet. That means locally, locally, that Christians, local churches, but Christians... Because the local church is the assembly of Christians. The Christians are to locally take the gospel. That's why in Acts 1 verse 8 where it 
gives a version of the Great Commission. It says that they were to first go to Jerusalem, and then it breaks down different localities, uh, uh, locations, and, and, and Jerusalem, Judea, then Samaria, then to the uttermost parts. We, we, we take the gospel locally, locally. That means neighborhoods. That means your neighborhood. That means to your neighbors. Who is my neighbor? Well, specifically, literally, it's the ones who live right near you. Right beside you, right across the street, in your neighborhood, in your section of town. They're your neighbors. We know generically that neighbor is anybody that we come in contact with. But specifically, who is your neighbor? Question, have we gotten the gospel to our neighbors? You say, uh, 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 are your neighbors Christians? You say, I don't know if they are or not. Have you ever asked them if they're a Christian? You mean just come flat out and ask them if they're saved? Yes. Have you ever engaged your neighbor in a gospel conversation? Locally. That, that, that means getting the gospel globally. Steve Green sang it so effectively across the street and then around the world. The mission's still the same. It's not about a place, it's about Everyone, every location, hearing the gospel in their own context, in their own culture. Which, by the way, the gospel transcends culture and context. It is great. It is the supreme. It is the, it is the most important ingredient. In locally, globally, collectively, collectively. As a church, as a body of believers, as a group, as we partner together, even denominationally, we partner with our denomination to get the gospel out. We partner with other missions agencies to get the gospel out. We partner collectively with other churches of like mind to get the gospel out. You partner with other families to get the gospel out. but then individually. It's not just faith church's responsibility to take the gospel to the lost and the gospel to the nations. It is Christian Powell's responsibility. It's your responsibility to do what you can where you are with what you have and the resources entrusted to you by the Lord Jesus in his goodness and grace. It is your responsibility to get the gospel out to lost people. Locally, globally, collectively, intentionally. That means it has to be done on purpose. Are you intentional with the gospel? I have four questions I want you to prayerfully ponder. Very personal, very revealing questions if we all answer these honestly. Question number one. Does your wallet reflect 
that you prioritize the Great Commission. Does your, you say, wait, hold on, wait. I give, CP, I give, I give. Okay, wonderful, thank you. On behalf of the church family, thank you for your faithfulness in giving and tithing. Thank you that you're just not a, somebody who just tips God and throws in loose change, okay? Just conveniently. Thank you for being a faithful, conscientious, intentional, deliberate tither and one who supports the local church by giving above a tithe. Thank you for that. But do you, as you give, as you look at the stewarding of the money God gave you and trusted in your hands, can you look at your finances and how you spend God's money? Can you look at it and say that my wallet reflects that I prioritize the Great Commission? that I do support financially missions and missionary endeavors and ministries and missionary families that I, I, I can show you, not, not, not that that's needed, that's not what we're talking about, but you can, you can look and you can say, hey, right here, I tangibly prioritize the Great Commission in my finances. You say, well, I, I, I give to the church and then I let the church do that. Thank you. Again, thank you. Not minimizing that, but I'm talking about you. Wisely, knowingly, intelligently investing in God's eternal work. You specifically, intentionally doing that. Not just giving and wiping your hands clean and say, well, I've done my part. Does your wallet reflect that you prioritize the Great Commission? How much money do you invest in the fulfillment of the Great Commission? Second question, does your schedule, does your schedule reflect that you prioritize the Great Commission? How much time in a week? I'm not asking you how much time you spend in church. How much time in a week? How much time in a month have you invested in the Great Commission? When the subject of church-wide witnessing, church-wide organized outreach comes up, what is your attitude and your spirit? Because some of you reveal it because you've already told me how you feel. Outdated. That's outdated. Ah, nobody, nobody wants you to come to their house. Nobody wants you to knock on their door. True, perhaps. Ah, that's a waste of time. Well, you just told me how you feel about it. Ah, that doesn't work. Tracks? Give people tracks? I have to ask this. So what are you doing? 
What are you doing to invest time in the Great Commission? How much time do you invest in the fulfillment of the Great Commission? Question number three, does your mouth reflect that you prioritize the Great Commission? Say, my mouth? (laughs) What does my mouth have to do with it? A lot. The gospel is the good news. The good news. And good news has to be told in order for it to be believed. Romans, Romans 10, how shall, they, how shall they believe on him of whom they have never heard and how shall they hear without a what? A preacher. Somebody to tell them. Somebody to verbally tell them. Somebody to explain it to them. Somebody to verbally with their mouth witness to them. Share the gospel with your mouth. I wonder... If we compare for ourselves privately before the Lord, how much time we in the last seven days have spent talking, talking about people (laughs) with how much time we've spent talking to people sharing the gospel. How many gospel conversations have you had in the last month? The last month, gospel conversations where you're talking to somebody and you're intentionally, kindly, lovingly, strategically, intentionally bringing the conversation to Jesus and someone's relationship with Jesus. Because how many of you would agree that somebody's relationship with Jesus is the most important thing that you could ever discuss with anybody? Question number four, does your prayer life reflect that you prioritize the Great Commission? By that I mean, how many lost people have you specifically prayed for in the last week? How many unsaved people who need to be saved have you prayed for in the last week? And I ask this question. I ask this question that Dr. Steve Gaines, pastor of Bellevue Baptist in Memphis, Tennessee, it's one of the most convicting questions that I ponder on a regular basis. He asked his congregation, he said, if God were to answer every prayer in the last seven days that you have prayed for an unsaved person to be saved, if God were to automatically automatically answer that prayer how many would have been saved this past week because you prayed for them and I have to say I have to admit I'm convicted by that question I'm not going to ask you today do you have a prayer list everybody whether it be subconsciously or intentionally has a prayer list but let me ask you how many lost people are on that prayer list How many lost people do you pray for? How many unsaved people do you intentionally pray for? 
that they would meet the Lord, that the gospel would get to them, that God would speak to their heart and draw them to himself. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the passion of Jesus. That is the priority of Jesus. That, my dear friends, is what the Great Commission is all about. And we're talking about Great Commission living. I'm not going to ask you today, do you believe the Great Commission? If I were to ask hands to be raised, every single one of you, if you're still paying attention, would raise your hand and say, yes, preacher, I believe in the Great Commission. I'm not going to ask you if you intellectually believe in it. I'm going to ask you, do you live the Great Commission? Do you live it? Don't tell me what you believe if you don't live it. Because if we don't live it, dear one, we really do not deep down believe it. And I know I just skimmed the surface on what we can do for the Great Commission just in the last 15 minutes. Somebody came to D.O. Moody one time critical of another group that was using certain techniques to get the gospel to people. And remember, this is in the late 1800s. I don't like how they're doing that. I don't think that's what they ought to be doing. That's different than what we do. I'm not sure about that. Have you heard that? Can you hear that? I have. And D.O. Moody said, Sir, I'm fairly certain that Jesus likes the way they're doing it more than the way you're not doing it. And I'm fairly certain before we get on our spiritual high horse and we want to talk about this church and this group and this and that and this effort and what they're doing and this and that. And I'm not sure that lines up with my theological position. And I'm not sure that lines up with what I'm used to or what I'm comfortable with. I'm fairly certain, Faith Church, I'm fairly certain, Christian pal, that Jesus a whole lot more likes what some other people are doing than what we're not doing. And this is not to condemn. That's not my motive. Acts 13 is about, verses 1 through 5, about the church of Antioch. You want to know the distinguishing characteristic of the church of Antioch is that they were a Great Commission church because they were made up of Great Commission Christians who took seriously Jesus' command to evangelize and to take the gospel out everywhere. So what's my part? Not as pastor Christian pal, but as a Christian, as a believer. What's your part? What's your role? What's your responsibility? It's to witness and to share the gospel. I'm asking Jesus to so speak to us and speak to me and speak to you.
that we will begin to engage in gospel conversations with people. In December, Lord willing, we're going to make a resource available to you that you can take and give to somebody. It's a booklet about Christmas. But it helps open the door with a gospel conversation. We have these little books that we use written by Carrie Schmidt. It's called Done. We've given them all over. We've encouraged you to give them out. Give them out to whoever. It is a great little resource to use to get people thinking and started engaging in a gospel conversation. Let's stop calling ourselves a great commission church. If we're not going to be serious as individuals who make up our church about the Great Commission. Just because we send missionaries doesn't necessarily make us a Great Commission church. So what, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? To prioritize the priority of Jesus. That's the question. I have to answer that for me. I can't answer that for you, dear one. Let the Lord help us. Let the Spirit of God speak on the inside. For some, that means adjusting our priorities. For a lot of us, it means being more prayerful and intentional. To ask the Lord, Lord, give me the courage and boldness and the right words to open up a dialogue with somebody about you. Even if it's a simple thing, like, in, I, I say simple, that's a relative term, right? Even if it's something like inviting someone to church. That's powerful. But most of us are even silent about that. So here's the prayer I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit leads us in today. Father, show me tangibly in my life, and by the way, he will, he'll guide us into all truth. Show me in my life how I can take another step closer to prioritizing your priority. I'm convinced, dear one, whether it be with our conversations and our mouth, our, our finances and our stewardship, or whether it be in our prayer life, how we spend our time. Tabitha asked this question in the Sunday school time. When she got to heaven, was she okay? Would she be okay telling Jesus that, Lord, I know you wanted us to go to Togo, but it would have been too hard. We would have lost so much money. We would have given up so much. And looking in the face of Jesus, would she be okay 
with her answer to him as to why they didn't obey the Lord. I'm afraid my excuses for why I'm not prioritizing Jesus' priority aren't going to hold water. And dear one, I love you, but your excuses aren't either. So let's pray about that. Let's be honest about that and let's talk about that before the Lord. Let's let the Holy Spirit help us.